Chapter Seven of Candle for Our Lady by Virginia Victoria Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Seven. Joan eyed the unfamiliar woodland doubtfully. Jem, are you sure of the road? Of course. Jem swung the knapsack carrying their small provisions and the precious taper over his shoulders. The carter who set us down yonder said Ermine Street lay due east. Well, there's the sun behind us. He said nothing of forest, though. To Joan the track seemed to wind endlessly under interlocked branches of ancient elms and oaks. However, seeing Jem going forward with confident stride, she followed, thinking how the days had flown since they had said good-bye to the farm and cousin Will, Father Ledhall, Friar Peter, and Shag. They were minded to take Shag, but decided against it, as they could scarcely carry provisions for themselves. Then, too, he was needed on the farm, where Friar Peter had agreed to stay and help with the spring sowing, so as to release Jim for the pilgrimage. For the first few days after crossing into Cambridgeshire, they had followed the simple directions given them by Cousin Will. But now, in the eastern half of the unfamiliar county, they had to depend on local information, sometimes vague and sometimes contradictory. Occasionally, as today, they had been given a lift of several miles by farmer or travelling tradesman. Yet more of the time they had gone afoot, and not always as now, with a carpet of moss under their road-worn feet. But with the scent of spring in the air, the pink and white foam of apple and cherry blossoms spilling over the roadway, Cuckoo and Robin joyously heralding the season, they scarcely noticed weariness or the passage of days. "'It's growing dusk,' said Joan presently. We're bound to meet someone soon. And a few minutes later, Ah, see, what did I tell you? Jim pointed to the figure of a man slouched in the shadow of a great oak. Quickening his steps, he called out, Can you tell us, is this Ermine Street? Aye, so tis, returned the stranger in their own Midland speech. Not really old, but shabbily dressed and unshaven, he squinted up at them. You be strangers? We're from Eyeworth and Bedford bound for Our Lady's Shrine at Walsingham. Pilgrims, eh? The man rose, and a little gleam entered his eye. Then we're well met. I'm so bound myself. Good! Jim turned to Joan, his eyes a-sparkle. Didn't I say we'd meet fellow pilgrims? You're the first, Joan said to the stranger as they trudged along the rough, twisting path. This was the famed road that Roman legionaries had you through the dense forest more than a thousand years before. That be like enough, their guide replied, with a side glance at the sack Jem carried, seeing the changes in the kingdom. Now we'll take this turn off to the left. And he led them down a by-path where the forest grew even denser and darker. Joan shivered. Glancing upward, she caught just a tiny gleam of starlight through the roof of tightly laced branches. Why, tis night already. Aye, said their guide, but we can rest safe enough in a bower until morning. I have no provisions left myself, but... He looked at the knapsack Jem set down. We'll gladly share with you, Jem offered, though we've only black bread, some dry meal, and salt pork. Meat was permitted, he knew, to all making a pilgrimage, as well as to the poor during Lent. Eh, the man seemed disappointed. From the weight you carried, I thought you must have a side o' ham or haunch o' venison. Oh, that's the candle. Candle, eh? Uh? The pure wax taper we're going to offer Our Lady. Jim moved his hand reverently over the wrapper, 
for our dead grandmother, Joan said. She and we made it when we thought she could make the pilgrimage too. But... She choked a moment remembering Grandmother Reynolds. She took sick and died. A shame, a sorry shame. The old man continued munching the dry pork and coarse bread ravenously. But that's the way of the world, lass. Here today, gone tomorrow. Well, we'll lie here, shall we? Making a bower of branches, Jem and Joan threw themselves on a bed of moss, the knapsack between them, and slipped quickly into a slumber so deep it seemed like falling into the bottom of a well. A night-hawk's piercing call made Jem roll over and rub his eyes. The air was chill, it was still dark. He was about to drop off again, when automatically he felt for the sack. His hand touched vacantly, and beyond that the sleeping girl. Gone! As the thought struck him, his heart missed a beat. He felt the other side. Nothing. Joan! he cried, shaking her. Wake up! What? What is it? Joan asked from the depths of a great yawn. The sack, with our taper, it's gone. Gone? She too was wide awake now. And our guide? Aye. Jim kicked at the palette of leaves and moss their companion had occupied. Fools we were to trust him. But, said Joan, scrambling to her feet, he can't have gone far in this darkness. Jim stiffened. You're right, Joan. We'll overtake the knave. Come. They stumbled on blindly in the direction the stranger had led them, but no sign of him. Gnarled branches reached out, catching like fingers at their hair and clothing. Long, springy ferns crept up to trip them. All around them were the little eerie sounds of the forest, the rustlings of small animals, the thin, penetrating notes of night-birds. Once Joan felt her face brushed by wings and cried out, grasping her brother's arm with both hands. "'Only a bat,' he said a bit breathlessly. Used as they were to country sounds, those of the forest were different, an unexplored mystery. They had heard the legends of gnomes and giants, of witches' spells and of fire-breathing monsters. Who could tell what lurked about among these ancient trees? At last Jem saw a little clearing ahead. He made toward it at a run. "'What is it?' Joan asked, catching up with him. "'We'll see. There may be someone, some dwelling.' He stopped short. In the paling darkness, a group of ragged figures crouched around a low-burning fire. Two of them rose, their fierce eyes fastened on the young intruders. Jem saw the gleam of knives in their hands as they strode toward them. Outlaws, Joan! Instinctively he flung himself in front of his sister, prepared for the end. End of chapter 7